It's time to get up and get your day started. Morant. Oh! A jawbreaker! It's Sports 56 Mornings with Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. The first hour of Sports 56 Mornings is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Now, here are your hosts, Greg and Eli. Welcome in. Time for another edition of Sports 56 Mornings on this Thursday, January 4th, 2024. It'd be cold outside, 32 degrees right now. If you're up this early, getting your Thursday morning started. Partly cloudy skies. We're looking at a high today of 45. Mostly clear tonight with a low dipping down to 30 degrees. Greg Gaston, Eli Savoy, Zach Boyd with you. From the Family Leisure Studios. Family Leisure, it's where family and fun come together. Their floor model sale is underway. 2120 Witten Road, just north of I-40. And the first hour of the program is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware. Coming up on the program today, we'll talk about the Grizzlies game last night. Yes, we have to. We are legally obligated to talk about that loss last night to the Toronto Raptors. Just a bad loss For the Grizzlies, we'll also preview the Tigers in action tonight as they will take on the Tulsa Golden Hurricane on the road in their first conference game of the season. The University of Memphis Tigers football team and Coach Ryan Silverfield makes a big decision yesterday on the defensive coordinator. We will discuss that on the program today. we got plenty of NFL news as we get set for the final week of the regular season. The Pro Bowl selections were made yesterday. At 8.05, John Filippo will join us. He's the new head coach of the Memphis Showboats in the new UFL, the United Football League, which will begin this spring, the combination of the USFL and the XFL, the showboats are back, and they have a new coach. And then at 825, in studio, Dallin Hayden will join us from the Ohio State Buckeyes to preview Monday's natty between Michigan, who he knows oh too well, being at Ohio State, and Washington. But we'll also talk about the future of Dallin Hayden. At 9 o'clock, it is the final AutoZone Liberty Bowl inside college football hour of the season, so that'll run from 9 until 10 Harold Grader will join us after a very successful AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. By the way, attendance-wise, they were number nine out of all bowl games. We will go over that as well on the show. And Harold also happened to be at the Rose Bowl to watch the Alabama-Michigan game. We'll get his thoughts on that and the national championship. And time permitting, we'll take your calls and texts on the Sports 56 listener lines at 901 901- 360-8255. You can also drop us a line, comment a question, a concern on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, most social media networks. Also, our website, sportsmemphis.com. That is your lineup for today. Good morning. Good morning. <laughs> Not much else to say, huh? What a, That game last night was... The Grizzlies... They're not. They're. I just don't understand why they're so bad offensively. Honestly, <laughs> like their numbers are horrendous offensively. And while it's gotten somewhat better since Jaws been back, they're still not good. And yeah, they. We know they can't rebound, um, among other things. But they just they can't shoot. <laughs> they're just not good enough shooters. And it's. Um, 
I don't under, I still don't I, I just don't understand some of the rotations and things that they use. I don't know. It, it's um there's just you can't lose that game. Like bottom line, you can't lose that game. You you have to win that game. It's a on your home floor right now, you cannot afford losses really at all, let alone to the teams that are aren't very good. And you know, with this stretch they've got coming up in two weeks, like they pretty much could be done where there's just no coming back from it. Yeah, I, I want to dive into that and we'll we'll talk about the game. I to your point though, and when you look at the NBA today in 2024, and really for the last how many years, you have to have a plethora of shooters. And they just don't have them. And yes, on the surface you go, oh, 111 points. That's pretty good. Well, last night, now Granted, there were some overtime games, even a double overtime game. But winning numbers across the board, these are the winning scores. The Kings, 138. By the way, the Magic scored 135 in the loss. Jazz, 154. The crappy Pistons scored 148. Yes, overtime, but 148 in a losing effort. Clippers, 131. Suns, 122. Hawks 141, Thunder 138, Pacers 142, Bucks 130, Cavaliers scored 140 points. It's all about the offense, and they just don't have it consistently. There's something amiss. Even with the return of John Morant, they're much better, obviously, offensively, but it doesn't compare to most of the teams around the league. 116-111, the final. They came back in the end. Give them credit. They battled down the stretch, but they had dug themselves already a huge hole. The loss drops the Grizzlies to 11-23. and 23. They have played 34 games. So seven more games get you to the halfway point of the season. Those next seven, at the Lakers, at the Suns, at the Mavericks, home to the Clippers, home to the Knicks, home to the Warriors, at Minnesota. If you don't go minimum, minimum four and three, and that's not even going to do much like dent into the deficit, but it keeps you maybe afloat. If you don't do at least four and three, you're dead. You can wave the white flag. And I know people are mad at this, but we got to be honest here. Taylor Jenkins after the game saying, I got to get this team better prepared. We were flat. It's on me. Is it? Is it really on him? Desmond Bain after the game said, it's on us. We're men. We're grown men. It's on us. Really, it's on everyone. It's on the coaching staff. It's on the players. Toronto is a team that is having a spring clearance sale. They made a big trade. Yeah, they got some players in return, but they traded on Anobi, and they're looking to trade Pascal Siakam. And you're playing at home where you've been pathetic this year, and you lose, and it wasn't even close until the end. That's a pathetic loss. Let, let's be honest. Let's call a spade a spade. It's, it's horrible to lose that game, and right now they are on sli- a slippery slope where this season, in in a matter of a week or two weeks, could be absolutely over with. And I know it pisses people off to hear that, but let's speak the truth. So they are, um, on the year, they are last in offensive rating. They are last in three-point percentage. They are last in overall field goal percentage. Uh, They're last in wide-open threes. They're 27th in two-point percentage. Jeez. 28th in wide open two point percentage. They can't shoot when they're wide open. <laughs> they, they, they can't shoot when there's nobody around them. They can't shoot. 
Um, it, it's just like you could find, find, pick the offensive number, pick the shooting number you want to look at. They are generally in the bottom two or three in the league. It's you can't, uh, and I just it like they need more out of Marcus Smart offensively right now. He's struggling, especially the three point shot. Like most of his other numbers are pretty sim or pretty much where he's been in his career, but three point percentage. Um, he's shooting twenty six percent, which is well down from where he's been um, throughout his career. But um, again, I to me, and this is goes by. I, I I would put Santi in the starting lineup. I would just take the shooting and the offense. Like I, the centers aren't doing you anything, so put him out there. Give try and get as much offense. I don't understand why there's not more of Ja, Bain, and Kennard together, where you've got your two ultimate floor spacers with Ja Morant. Those three very rarely play together. Um, the rotations again. I just I don't get, like, and, and I don't. I know there's a lot of people that want Taylor Jenkins fired. I don't. I'm not saying he should be fired. I don't think Taylor Jenkins is doing a great job by any means. But if you fire Taylor Jenkins right now, who the hell are you bringing in? The the I mean, isn't that a cop out though to put it the, all in Taylor Jenkins? Well, no, but it's, but you can't get rid of the whole team. So you, I mean, you, something needs to be like they're they're not. They how, shouldn't be this bad how about with a job back. How about a trade? Who the hell are you trading? That's a problem. <laughs> what well, you, you want to get Pascal Siaka for Jake Laravia? Are we so okay? This is going to be this is going to be maybe crazy talk. Are we absolutely sold that this trio? Right, we talked about oh all these great championship runs and and that's why I said if you remember me last year and I've said it so many times. You have to seize the moment because you don't know what the future looks like, right? This was before the jaw incident or incidents. You have to seize the moment now. They didn't seize the moment. So are you sold now that they still have the best young nucleus when you look at what's going on in Oklahoma City and Sacramento and these other teams? If they're gonna have if they're doing something to take advantage of having John ja Morant on this team, then they gotta think outside the box. That outside the box may be something drastic, like trading Jaron Jackson Jr. The um, I'm just I'm throwing it out there. I don't know if those. I three still think together, the three are fine. They're they are not. But what else again, can you get? Like you said, smart not giving them the shooting there. But again, so maybe it's why why not put Kadard in the starting lineup and bring Smart off the bench as your backup point guard? But then you have no shooting coming off the bench unless Zaire, who is. Obviously, more cold than hot last night. Actually, played well and hit four of seven from three. The fact they took 42 threes, and I know they were behind, but this is not a good three point shooting team. Why are they shooting 42 threes? Because that's what their offense is. That's that's Toronto this, took 26. That's, that's this redesigned offense. That's what they're doing. They're shooting a bunch of threes. That, that's the whole thing. I mean, this, this new offense has been a train wreck. Like, <laughs> it's, it doesn't. Again, all of the numbers indicate it's this new offense does not work. You can't, you're worse than three point percentage, you're worse than overall field goal percentage, you're like everything about it is bad. You're last in offensive rating. Everything about this new offense, which they brought in Patrick St. Andrews as this offensive de guru designer, the offense has been terrible. <laughs> it's bottom line. I, I don't. 
you got to they they need to scrap what they're doing and start over from scratch with the offense and figure something out because the and, offense is bad. And going back to what you said about the rotations and lineups and things of that nature, all of a sudden last night, X Man who hasn't been playing is starting now. Is, was Biombo hurt? Or is it just I, a DNP coach's decision? It I, says coach's decision. They, they said nothing about him being hurt. Okay, so all of a sudden now, Biombo goes from starter to not playing a second. And you made the decision a couple of weeks ago to get rid of Kenny Lofton Jr. I think it was the right decision to keep Bismack Biombo. But you start Tillman. Then, all of a sudden, off the bench, Conchar, who I don't think played last game, is playing. Same well, that's, Zaire. that's because of Vince being out. That, that's true. Okay, that's true. But again, it's still... I'm not going to back away from the point, and you made it about the rotation. There's question well, no, again, marks about bizarre. the rotation. Like, guys, literally, you can go from not playing to basically starting, or you might start one game and then not see the court the next. You never know. And I don't. Biombo may have been more of a load manager, like the back to back. Maybe there was something that they didn't. Although they wasn't listed on the injury report. Here's your load management all season. Offseason, he's, he's not doing anything for you, so he doesn't like. These are NBA players. None, none of the centers are doing anything. Like, Load management when you're like on, you're teetering on being eliminated, basically. So again, I don't, I, I don't care if Biombo plays. Like, he doesn't just do anything. Po- it's just the point. It's just the point. Load management drives me crazy. But anyway, here's Toronto. Can they make a big trade? A couple of days ago, you would think that those that team on the road making the big trade. All of a sudden, it seems like seamless. Quickly and Barrett have been implemented into that starting lineup, and they look good. They look really good. Quickly at 26, Siakam, who again, they're looking to deal 24 and 7 rebounds. You had Scotty Barnes, who is their future, 20 points, 8 assists. Barrett only had, what, 14, but they still looked really good as a unit, and they've been together as a unit for two games or whatever it is. Yet the Grizzlies, who are now back and relatively healthy, minus, obviously, Adams and Clark. D. Rose was out for the game, but he's a backup. And they look discombobulated at times. Yes, Marcus Smart has to be better offensively. He's not a great, great offensive player. You brought him in because of his veteran leadership, uh, his ability to defend, one of the great defenders in the league, perimeter defenders. But... Once in a while, he's got to help out offensively. He was 0 for 5 from 3, 2 of 10 from the field. And I don't know what they could have gotten um, in the offseason if they would have used the full mid-level exception, all that stuff. But can we at least admit, I, I get it. I know everybody here, the whole nostalgia part of it is great. But as I said at the time, what the hell does Derek, why did they sign Derek Rose? Let's be honest, there was no reason to sign Derek Rose. It was a dumb signing. It well, was dumb. Yes. <laughs> he, we do after 25 games. We'd, beyond the injuries, we know after 25 games, he probably wasn't going to be a part of it anyway. But I, get, he, I don't, I still don't, I didn't understand it at the time. I don't understand it now. It was a dumb signing. They there brought, was better things they needed on this team. But you know why team. they brought him in? They brought him in for two reasons. They brought him in for Ja as, well, they made the trade with Marcus Smart because they figured Marcus Smart, not because he's there to be a, a mentor for Ja. He was brought in because he's a hell of a player. Derek Rose was brought in more for the mentorship for Ja, but also because of the local connections, the whole Memphis thing. So there was a reason why they brought him in. Two reasons, in fact. So I had no problem with Derek Rose being brought in. That's the least of their worries. No, it's not because that was a roster spot they could have used that actually signed somebody that could help the team. 
Yeah, but their decision making here lately on players that can help the team has been off. They yes, went from, Derek Rose was a big part of that. They went from Kleiman went from like the golden boy to missing on a lot of these decisions. You know, I, I don't have to reiterate the Laravia decision. You know, Roddy looks like he's okay, but not great. Zaire had a good game last night, but he's the 10th pick overall. You want to see consistency, and you just don't get that out of him. But still, even the stars, I, I still don't understand why Jaron Jackson Jr. doesn't rebound the basketball better. I, I don't get it. He ends up with four rebounds in 36 minutes and 44 seconds. And you look around the rest of the lineup, I mean, Marcus Smart gets you five rebounds. John Moran got you eight rebounds. Santi off the bench had eight rebounds, but Santi's big. Jaron's a big dude, man. Get in there, fight, get some rebounds. Is it because they're worried about him fouling? How many years now in the league that we still got to worry about Jaron Jackson Jr. fouling people? They Rob Fisher last night on the pregame show had the stat. It, it, I, this, this blew me away, and it held true last night. They are now 0-21 on the year where they are out-rebounded. Wow. <laughs> you, as much as offensive rebounds and things to just like happen to you should just happen to get some because you're on the court and it happens the ball bounces to you so when they had the game with one offensive rebound out of 52 misses like it's incredible you should stumble into a win out of 21 chances when you are out rebounded that's they're 11 and 2 when they out rebound their opponent 0 and 21 now when they are out rebounded that is that's crazy. Don't you think some of that falls on Jackson? A lot of it? Well, no, he he has to be better rebounding. But, but he's again, not. It's, it's, he's, I don't know. I don't understand why he doesn't get more rebounds. I mean, he is a freak athlete who's bigger than 95% of the people on the court that he's ever playing against. He should be able to rebound more. I know he's on... You know, he's going for blocks a lot. It takes him out of position, stuff like that. But that doesn't, that's not every single shot. Like, there's a lot of shots that go up that he he's down there. Like, he's got to, he should be a guy averaging, you know, eight rebounds a game to me, pretty much minimum um, with the minutes that he plays. But it's just, yeah, it, it, like that game last night just, but you could also see, like, you got your former assistant coach on the other side. Like, when Xavier Tillman was on the court, like they weren't even really guarding him. Like that's one of your guys who like he knows, like, okay, like we don't need to guard that guy. Um, they they treated Zaire very similar, and Zaire had the good night, but they were like they were gonna live with Zaire taking shots. Like, hey, you know, th- Ryan Kovich knows, like, okay, these guys, let's pay attention to these guys. The other guys, we don't really need to work. Like Luke Kennard, you could they weren't gonna let Luke Kennard get going. They like face guarded it. They wouldn't help off of him. They were just like Whoever had him, stay with him. Don't look at it. And he and he couldn't get a shot off. Like he took some, he took one fast break three. He took a couple of others that he kind of rushed, but he and he couldn't make a three. Like they knew, like okay, these are the guys. Um, he knows this 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 personnel as well as any other head coach in the league. And you can tell what by watching the way they guard him, like who who he understands can play and who can't. I, I just I, I've never understood the philosophy of this organization when it comes to drafting like dead-eye three-point shooters 
Like, go out there and get a couple of those guys and surround your That's team. That's what they tried with Jake LaRavia. Well, LaRavia, to me, I mean, I... I I said it from that's the get-go. That's the whole reason Jake LaRavia was drafted. They thought he could come in and shoot. They thought that's what we got as a shooter. It's the I only mean, thing he's bringing. They got a guy on Toronto that doesn't even play. That's a better shooter than LaRavia. Grady Dick is a dead-eye three-point shooter. I mean, there's teams like Miami. They got like eight of those guys, or they at least did. You, you need to be more conscious of, of, of doing that. Memphis goes for the athlete. They, they're looking for the, all, the best all-around athlete they can find. Like a Zaire Williams, who had one troubled, not troubled, but uh, injury-plagued season at Stanford. But they looked at the upside, the athleticism. It's not always about the the best athlete. Man, if you can get those guys that just don't miss, they can make shots in their sleep, that just widens everything. It, it makes it a, a game that's much tougher to defend when you have guys out there on the perimeter. You know, thank God for, for Des Bain, one of the best picks in the last 10 years in the NBA. The guy is absolutely magnificent. Obviously, Ja fell into their laps. And luckily, it was number two. Because if it was one, it was Zion. And, you know, who knows? He's starting to play better, but it's been an injury play career. So they got the benefit of the doubt. They did a really good job with those picks. And now, the last couple of years, the picks have been questionable. They've missed. You can't hit on all of them. I understand that. But they got to figure something out. And getting back to your point about what you have to offer teams, they have picks. Picks used to be a big thing. It used to be a really big thing. Now it's not so big anymore. So their assets are not that deep. You know, uh, people, you know, will come up with dr- with uh, dream trade scenarios, and they're basically throwing the junk together for the of the Grizzlies and throwing it like, you know, here let's. Trade Conchar, LaRavia, and Zaire Williams for Pascal Siakam. I mean, you know, crazy stuff like that. You have to have something to trade. And the only thing I could think of, if you want to really go crazy and pick up a boatload of players and assets and things of that nature, the only one I could even think of that you would dangle is Jaron Jackson Jr. But people would be like, oh, gosh, that's so sacrilegious. Well, I'm not sold that those three, although I know they're very, 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 very good, are the best young trio in the league. In fact, I don't think they are. When I look around at the other teams in the league with very similar talented young players who have stepped up. Now, this still falls back on the beginning of the season with no Adams, right? No Steven Adams. Who knew Steven Adams was this important? We all knew he was good. We all knew he was important, but my God. It's like Steven Adams was Wilt Chamberlain or something. But you have to adjust. If you don't adjust, then you just basically are mailing in the season. And that's what I'm worried about because, again, going back to this schedule coming up, the next seven games get you to 41. That's the halfway point of the season. We're no longer at 10 games, 12 games, 15 games. And those seven games are extremely challenging. On the road at the Lakers, Suns, and Mavericks, at home to the Clippers and Knicks and Warriors, and at Minnesota. Again, if you don't go 4-3, and 5-2, and two, Katie, bar the door, baby. Wave the white flag. 
We'll get to your uh, text coming up uh, in just a little bit. If you want to chime in, you can 901-360-8255. That's 901-360-8255. That is the Sports 56 listener line. This hour of our program brought to you each and every day by East Memphis Ace Hardware, the corner of White Station and Quince. Everything you need for all those projects around the house, you can go see the folks at East Memphis Ace Hardware to get all the supplies. If you can't find exactly what it is you're looking for, they got a great staff to help you find it. Of course, they've got the the Big Green Egg, all the different egg accessories. They're a platinum dealer of the Big Green Egg, one of those here in town. It's a life-changing grill when you get right down to it. It's the best grill there is, the last grill you'll ever need to buy. And they've got everything, all the different sizes and everything you need over at East Memphis Ace Hardware. Again, the corner of White Station and Quince. All right, as you said, we'll read those texts, but we also have news from the National Football League, Memphis Tigers football news, and basketball news from the college level as the Tigers are back in action tonight beginning conference play in Tulsa. We'll talk about all those topics when we return. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Add a little fun to your lunch break. Join Johnny Radio for Sports 56 Happy Hour from 11 to 1 every weekday on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. Now, back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again, Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. I got a little change in my pocket going jingling. Welcome back, 729 the time. We've been talking Grizzlies after their 116-111 loss to the Toronto Raptors. The loss dropping the Grizzlies to 11-23. and 23. Uh, text from Ron. He says Memphis shoots 42 threes, Raptors 26. Memphis 43 rebounds, Raptors 46. Same thing over and over. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they have been shooting fewer threes since Ja came back. However, um, hell, he shot nine the other day. They still don't make many of them. <laughs> That's the more, I mean, I guess it is better for them to shoot fewer threes because they don't make very many of them but again they don't make twos either they're they're one of the worst two-point shooting teams in the league so the the, thing that drives me crazy the number of possessions they have in a game where all it is they dribble down they'll throw one pass to a guy on the wing and he fires the three it's like can we run like at least run an offense of some sort to maybe see if there's a better shot available than a three from the wing but oftentimes with not the right guys shooting them with you know 18 seconds on the shot clock it's like Seinfeld. Anybody could take a reservation. It's just keeping the reservation. Anybody could take a three. It's just making the three. And again, it doesn't even matter if they're wide open. They can't shoot for when they're wide open threes. They shoot. They shoot the worst percentage of the league. So it's it, whatever. Um, Raider Corey says, "Color me baffled. I have no idea who's going to play substantial minutes on a nightly basis." Zaire plays one minute the other night, then plays about 20 minutes and scores 18 points last night. What the hell's going on? I'm sorry. At some point, we have to question coaching. Yeah, again, I don't like, I, I don't know. And then they'll try and base it, like they'll talk about matchups and all this other stuff. But like, I you can't, and again, I don't watch all the games of all the other teams to see if there's these wildly, changing rotations but it i don't i just don't feel like there is like where guys literally can go from one minute to 20 
back to two, it, it's like all over the place on bench minutes of who's going to play and who's not going to play. I have been a big supporter of Taylor Jenkins. I'm still a big supporter of Taylor Jenkins, but a lot of that was before Ja returned. Now that they have Ja back, now that Kennard's back, they're healthier. If this continues throughout the season, as Corey just said, they will absolutely look at that situation at coaching. I have supported him. I will support him. But if you can't get the job done, and I'm not talking about, you know, they're going to win the NBA title, but if you can't win two out of three every time, which is what they have done in the past with John Morant, then something's amiss. And it just does not look like a team that's going to win two out of every three times they step on the court. Uh, Drew says the Grizzlies are done. Time to look towards the lottery. Uh, Brad says they're missing Adams and Clark big time. Well, that's... Biombo has worn off. Very, very obvious. But again, and they are just not. That's on the rebounding side, there's no doubt. But Steven Adams and Brandon Clark, that's not... They're not helping you shoot the basketball. <laughs> like Right. The, Steven Adams isn't bringing your three-point percentage up. Exactly. And with what they want to do, they want to shoot a bunch of threes. So, mm-hmm. like, it's... Now, he might get some rebounds of the, off of those misses, which they don't generally do. So that would help. You get to shoot and miss again. And that, <laughs> you get two misses per possession rather than one. But, I mean, yeah, there's no doubt they're missing them. But, they're again, they're not they, – what are they, 3-11 and 11 at home? They have three wins at home. Something like that? And, again, I mean, even now with job – like last night was – yes, I know you don't have Adams and Clark, but you have – Basically, the rest of your roster, and you're losing to the Raptors like at home. You're you're giving up what was it was a twenty to two run in that stretch there between the end of the second, start of the third. Like you can't, or was it third fourth? I don't remember what quarters it was. I don't know, just second and third, I think. But it, it's it's a team. Yeah, it's a the team end of the in, first quarter. They gave up the big run. Right. The end of the first quarter, they gave up the big run. They continue the to quarter, struggle in the big, second. The quarter. second quarter is a complete and utter train wreck every single night. Help a betters out there if you want to make money, just go bet against the Grizzlies in every second quarter. They can't win a second quarter. They get blown out in every second quarter. If it's a two-point game at the end of the first quarter, they're down to, you know they're gonna be down double digits at the end of the second quarter. Yeah, every loss is not the same, every win is not the same. But this is a every Toronto second team. quarter is the same. Every second quarter is the same. <laughs> but this is a team in Toronto in transition. They are in transition, playing on the road in your arena. And you were getting the snot beaten out of you until you made a nice rally at the end, but not good enough. Mike is dialed in. Mike, how are you? Oh, I'm uh, doing okay. I was uh, going to say, as far as Triple J, to me, what I've seen uh, is when you got a shot blocker, they're usually putting themselves out of position mm-hmm. to rebound. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not very good rebounders. No, and, that's a great uh, point. Yeah. That, that, again, that, there's no doubt that that affects some, but they're... The Raptors. I mean, he should be getting more than four rebounds. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, the Raptors missed forty-four f- f- shots last night. I don't think Jaron tried to block every single one of them. Well, I, <laughs> I think the other thing is they're shooting a lot of threes because people are giving them threes. Exactly. Exactly. And I think if you played the white kid, Ja and Dane, you might score one hundred and eighty points, but the other team's probably going to score two hundred. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. I appreciate it. The white kid, Kenard. Um, no, but his point is well taken about. 
Jackson, if Jackson is trying to, and he's certainly not trying to block every shot, but if he's out there trying to block and he's out there on the perimeter guarding, he's out of position, and it was a comfort to have Steven Adams because Adams would be there in the paint to get the rebounds. You don't have Adams anymore. But when did Steven Adams become Will Chamberlain? It, it's crazy the dependency on Steven Adams, that this team is just a completely different team, even now healthy-wise, relatively, without Clark or Adams, that they're not even close to what they can be with you when you look at the talent that they have to perform the way they're doing it. It's a crux just to say that it's all on Adams. It's all on Clark. Again, they went out, they got Biombo, stopgap kind of center, defensive guy, and at times he's done okay, at other times he has not. Did not even play last night, coach's decision. Tillman is a third-string center at best. That's what you have right now. So there are some people, I got a lot of texts last night, that are on management to make a move, but it goes back to your point in the first segment. What do you have to offer? takes two to tango. What do you have to offer? Your scraps? Are teams taking your scraps when these guys are struggling for you? You have those first-round picks. You tried to go all-in on Mikael Bridges last year with an offer, at least reported, offer of four first-round picks. First-round picks used to be important. Now, it doesn't seem like it is anymore. You used to be able to dangle those picks and be able to get what you want. Not the case. Yeah, the Well, I mean, it depends where those picks are going to be generally right. Um, so the teams aren't teams don't care about picks that are probably going to be in the twenties and or late you know late first round like that. They're gonna be what what's our it's it's hard to draft down there like it's it's not easy to be able to find guys in those spots. Um, partially where the Grizzlies have had the trouble with a couple of guys although they did with the thirtieth pick nail it with Bain and seem to be seem to have done all right with Santi Aldama as a 30th overall pick. But um but again, I mean the reason they're taking a lot of threes, because that's what they want to do. <laughs> that is their offensive strategy. They want to take threes. But that's bad philosophy if you don't have the three point shooters. I yeah, well when you're again last in the league in three point percentage, you probably have to recalibrate. But that's with this new offense with the five out, like that's what they want to do. It's 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 the whole it's the strategy. It's the whole world of basketball now. Threes and layups. That's what teams want. Threes and layups. And so you spread the floor. You got plenty of shooters theoretically, and then it also opens up the lane for guys like Ja to get to the rim. That's what the whole offensive system is. Well, there are things called adjustments. You can't continue to bang your head against the wall if it doesn't work. And again, I go back to this seven-game stretch coming up, which will get the Grizzlies to 41 games, the exact halfway point of the season. And we'll see where they are at that point. If they continue on this trend, they're done. It's over by the time those seven games are done. Even though it's half the season, it's just too big of a hole if this continues. Well, when I was talking about it yesterday, we talked about it with DeMichael Cole. Four and three was the minimum in those seven games if they beat the Raptors. Right. Right. Losing to the Raptors, again... My guess is they're, the Lakers are struggling badly. If they lose to the Lakers Friday, they're probably going two and two and five at best. I mean, the Lakers are the most beatable. Maybe the Warriors because it's at home. 
but you're like, homes made no difference. Well, yeah, actually, that's actually bad. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the home games are unwinnable. We know the home games are unwinnable. So you got the the road games in there that you got to try and win. Um, the Lakers is probably the most winnable game. And so if you lose Friday night, the Lakers, it's it, it. I don't you know. You just don't know where it's headed. I know there's only so many things you can do contractually with players and things of that nature. I, I do understand that. But I hate to see a team, any team, have to drop back and punt on a season. On a season. And they're not doing that. They're not wanting to do that. But it appears that they're going down that avenue. Unless there's something brewing, and I just don't see what it could be. All right. So while the Grizzlies now get set to hit the road, they'll be in Los Angeles on Friday. The Tigers are on the road tonight as they begin conference play at Tulsa. Memphis at 11-2, and two, Tulsa at 9-3, and three, 7 o'clock on ESPN+. Plus. Tigers an 8.5-point favorite. We don't know the status of David Jones, who we know missed Monday and Tuesday's practice because of illness. And then Kayla Mills, who also missed Monday and Tuesday's practice because of a hip injury. Not sure of their status for tonight's game against Tulsa. Tigers have not played well over the last couple of games but bottom line is they still figured out ways to win over Vanderbilt and Austin Pig. And, yeah, this is a game when you're playing Tulsa, wherever that game is played, home, road, Mars, whatever. You can't lose. Like, if you want to do the things, it's a broken record. Every game, same thing. If you want to be able to do the things you want to be able to do and you think you are the team you are, Tulsa's a team you got to beat them. They are, their offensive numbers are awful. They are a bad, bad offensive team. Like That's a team that um, you should be able to lock down and go get a win. Yeah, unfortunately, the Tigers have played down to competition. They've also played up against better competition. So that's a good thing. But the playing down to competition is not. But as you said, as an 8.5-point favorite on the road, doesn't matter, should go in there and take care of business. Last night in the American, Tulane over Rice, 84-59. to Elsewhere in college basketball last night, some teams that Memphis has played this year, Clemson, 16th ranked, here we go again. Memphis beats a big team, a top 25 team, and then Clemson goes out and loses to Miami, 95-82. to <coughs> Yeah, listen, I mean, I don't... It's like a broken record. Virginia losing to Notre Dame I mean, like they did. Yeah, I mean, all of these teams that you have beaten, like, because of the conferences they play in, they're going to they're gonna lose some games. Like, it's going they're, they're going to mount some losses. Now, that doesn't mean that, it, you know, they're, they're still... They're going to also win some games. They'll pick up some big wins and all that stuff. It's just... It is what it is. But, yeah, they're going to they're gonna lose some games, especially on the road. Yeah, Virginia bounced back from the Notre Dame loss, took out Louisville. It's a bad Louisville team, 77-53. Villanova, the only undefeated team remaining in the Big East, so that's good for Memphis, a team they lost to. 66-65 winner over Xavier. And another team that Memphis played and had to go overtime to beat them at VCU earlier this season. VCU loses at home to St. Bonaventure, 89-78. When we come back, Jordan Hankins is the new defensive coordinator for the University of Memphis Tigers. We will discuss that and got some NFL news, including Pro Bowl selections. Do you want to tell you folks about the Crazy Coop? A great place for lunch or for dinner. You got an event coming up, you want it catered. The Crazy Coop can take care of you. Hot wings and the best hot wings in town. Why are they so good? They're amazing 27 wing seasonings, 27 different seasonings, and you can go really hot if you like. The Crazy Sweet Lemon Pepper Hot, the Crazy Suicide. 
If you can't take the heat, like myself, get the four cheese roasted garlic or the barbecue bacon bourbon. Just some of the flavorings, some of the seasonings you can get on your hot wings at the Crazy Coop. That includes the whole wings, the party wings, the boneless wings, and they have those delicious, big, juicy chicken tenders. They are located in Bartlett at 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. Stop by Monday night. You can watch the Natty on one of their big screens at the Crazy Coop in Bartlett. Bartlett has the full menu. So if you want to get something a little bit different, they got great catfish sandwiches, big juicy half-pound burgers, all the great sides like the fried okra, the green tomatoes, the fried dill pickles. They're open seven days a week from 11 a.m. to 9 p.m. Check out their Crazy Packs. That's probably the way to go. You can call up and pick up. You can have DoorDash or any of the other delivery services Bring that delicious uh, food to your home or to your office. And again, they will cater your event. Just get in contact with them and uh, find out more information about that. You can find them on Instagram and Facebook. You've tried the rest. Try the best now. The Crazy Coop, the best hot wings in town. 7199 Highway 64 between Appling and Kirby Witten and the Crazy Coop Express at 1315 Ridgeway off Poplar. You're tuned in to Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. You already know you can listen to Sports 56 anywhere with the Sports 56 app or at sports56whbq.com. But you can also watch us daily with live video of all of our shows on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Now back to Sports 56 Mornings on Sports 56 and 98.5 FM. This hour is brought to you by East Memphis Ace Hardware at the corner of White Station and Quince. Here once again are Greg Gaston and Eli Savoy. Well, I can't say I'm surprised. I wasn't, in my mind, 100% sure that Ryan Silverfield would go in this direction. But if you missed the news from yesterday... He has promoted Jordan Hankins to the defensive coordinator position. He was the interim D.C. for the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. And what an adjustment they made just nine days out before the game. They went and overhauled the defense. And they went in with a mindset to stop the Iowa State rushing attack. And boy, did they ever. No yards rushing for Iowa State. So Jordan Hankins who will be in his fourth year at the University of Memphis this upcoming 24 season, moves into that D.C. position from linebackers coach and assistant special teams coordinator. In the meantime, a couple of other moves were made with the coaching staff. Charles Clark is now the deputy head coach and defensive backs coach. Jeff Myers, who's the offensive line coach, also picks up running game coordinator responsibilities. But I wasn't 100% sure because obviously the defense struggled this year under Matt Barnes, who moved on to Mississippi State, that maybe they go outside the family. But it's understandable. Uh, a well-liked coach, certainly by the players, did a great job in the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game. So, again, no surprise uh, for the most part that Jordan Hankins is elevated. Yeah, I don't – I mean, if, if you look at the uh, bowl game as an audition – it was a pretty good audition. It was indeed. So I, I it's not a not a real surprise that they would they would decide to to after that audition go with that move. And he's done a great job in, in coaching up linebackers, uh, including the likes of JJ Russell, who was terrific uh, in twenty twenty one. He was a first 
team, all-American conference performer this year with uh, the final year for Jeffrey Canton Arku. But Chandler Martin, who made first-team all-AAC honors, he was a, a pickup in the portal, and he was tremendous, and they got him coming back. He was also tremendous in the actual AutoZone Liberty Bowl game itself. He was the defensive player of the game. So congratulations to Jordan Hankins. That move made pretty swiftly by head coach Ryan Silverfield. NFL, final week of the regular season coming up, and it's going to be interesting because there there are still a lot of teams in play for the postseason. There's some huge matchups with the Bills and the Dolphins going mano-a-mano for the AFC East titles we talked about yesterday. Dolphins are already in the playoffs. Buffalo, if they lose that game, could be out of the playoffs completely. So a lot at stake. But there is also some games where teams involved, whether it's one or the two teams involved in the game, really do not have much to play for. So you're going to get a lot of key players that will rest this weekend. The Ravens have announced Lamar Jackson will not play against Pittsburgh. And the Steelers are still alive to get into the postseason. The Browns are going to sit Joe Flacco versus the Bengals. Pat Mahomes will not play for the Chiefs versus the Chargers. No Matthew Stafford for the Rams against the 49ers. So we're going to see some really competitive games and other games where teams are resting players. Welcome to Week 18 of the NFL. That's why you don't use Week 18 in fantasy football. Exactly, exactly. Or you better be careful if you're if you're betting. You might find some gems. Then again, you might get caught into a in a spider's web when it comes to a picking a particular team, not realizing, oh, they're going to sit some players. So yesterday, the Pro Bowl selections were announced. The Pro Bowl selections are picked by a combination of fan voting, player voting, and coaches and their voting. The 49ers landed the most Pro Bowl players with nine. The Ravens and your Cowboys were second with seven. 28 teams had at least one player selected. There were four teams that did not have any players selected to the Pro Bowl game. The Commanders, the Patriots, the Packers, and the Panthers. So the Peas, the Pats, the Packers, the Panthers, and the Commanders. Now, players will be at it. Uh, The teams that make the Super Bowl, those players will not play in the Pro Bowl game. And then there'll be other players that are opting out. They just don't feel like playing and participating in a tug-of-war or a chess match or Frisbee, Ultimate Frisbee, whatever they do for the Pro Bowl game. Derrick Henry, the lone Tennessee Titan, as he's back in the Pro Bowl. I didn't think he had a Pro Bowl season, but Derrick Henry selected by uh, the voters, and he's the only Tennessee Titan in this particular Pro Bowl. Yeah, they're... um, And I know they're like the, the receiver position was virtually impossible. And there's some guys like Amon Ross St. Brown who had an incredible year that can't make, <laughs> that aren't on this team. And again, they'll probably make it, but man, oh man, you start like, you know, um, start looking at some of the positions and it is, um, trying to select those is brutal, brutal stuff. You know, CJ Stroud, people made a, uh, talked a lot about him and certainly if he hadn't got hurt, I think he might have made it. But again, if, when you start looking at it, you're like, okay, who are you knocking off of that in order to create a spot for him in the, you know, is it Patrick Mahomes would probably be the 
the guy that you would knock off the list. It's hard to beat out Patrick Mahomes. Not like Patrick Mahomes had a terrible year. Um, so it, it's, you know, Josh Allen certainly also had an argument on the FC, but the, the struggles early in the year with all the turnovers. Um, I would have put Stroud on you know, there. Jalen Hurts doesn't make the NFC as a quarterback. Like mm-hmm. it, it's some of these positions, but receiver was, man, oh man, it is, that is a brutal position. No, it's, it's incredibly in, uh, competitive. And obviously it's a vote from three different entities. But if I had a vote, C.J. Stroud would have been on that team. I probably would have left Josh Allen off. And Allen I get, was off. I thought he was on the team. No. So Pat Mahomes, Tua. And Lamar Jackson. And Lamar Jackson. Okay, so Tua Tua deserves. Lamar Jackson absolutely deserves. I, I might even leave Pat Mahomes. Is that sacrilegious to leave Pat Mahomes off a Pro Bowl team? But, yeah, I, I thought Josh Allen had been selected. I was like, really? They, they selected him? But Stroud had a Pro Bowl-type season. Like I said, just like it is with the Major League Baseball All-Star game, there's going to be a lot of players at it because players will not be able to participate in the game for whatever the reason is. And obviously the teams playing in the Super Bowl, uh, none of their players will participate. So there you go. Uh, College football, highest attended bowl games. These are the announced crowds. The Rose Bowl, the granddaddy of them all, somebody once said, 96,371. They were number one. That's a whopping 25,000 more than number two on the list. The Peach Bowl with Ole Miss and Penn State, 71,230. Cotton Bowl was three. Sugar Bowl, four. Orange Bowl, five. All the big bowls. Then you had the Texas Bowl. I forget who even played in that one. They were number six. The Alamo Bowl was number seven. So these bowl games down in Texas. Number eight was the Music City Bowl with 50,088. And number nine was the AutoZone Liberty Bowl game at 48,789. Damn, we came up short against Nashville again by about 1,200. 1,200. We'll talk to Harold Grader about the game, about the Rose Bowl, who um, he was uh, out there. He attended that game between Michigan and Alabama. That'll be coming up in our third hour. But coming up in hour number two, we got a couple of terrific guests for you. At 8.05, we will talk with the new head coach of the Memphis Showboats, John DiFilippo. DiFilippo, by the way, has a Super Bowl ring as the quarterback's coach for the Philadelphia Eagles. Last year, he was the head coach of the New Orleans Breakers and now with the Showboats. And then at 8.25 in studio, Ohio State running back Dallin Hayden will join us. This is Sports 56 Mornings with Greg and Eli on Real Sports Talk, Sports 56 and 98.5 FM.